Friends, welcome to Are You, Are you Fair tonight. Um, we're going to be short and sweet looking at Mark 6. I'm going to jump right into it um, and read our passage if you want to follow along in our handout. Mark 6, we're reading verses 45 to 52. Here's what Mark writes. Immediately he, Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out in the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking in the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves. Jesus had just fed the 5,000, that's where we're coming from. But their hearts were hardened. Let me pray for us, and I want to jump in just to a simple three points I want you to see from tonight. Uh, But let's pray first. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we can know you. Lord, I thank you that uh, we can know what your heart is toward your disciples. Lord, I pray that you would, um, as you alone can, comfort us in the ways that we need to be comforted tonight. I pray that you would meet us in the midst of our stresses and struggles and loneliness and anxieties and seasons of depression Lord, I know life isn't always that way. We thank you for that. But Lord, I, I pray especially for those of us who come in that way, that you would meet us in a way that you alone can. We pray these things for Christ in your name. Amen. I'm going to jump right in. No intro tonight. Uh, three things that I want you to see that are meant to be a, a comfort in the struggles and the seasons of struggle in life. Uh, three things I think we see Jesus doing to his fearful disciples that I don't know what, where you are, but I need. And it's three simple points. Uh, The first is that the Lord sees you. The second is that the Lord comes to you. And the third is that the Lord is in the boat with you. So let's start first with the Lord sees you. Imagine, if you can for a second, how what the disciples are feeling, what they're carrying. They're coming off of this ministry high of watching Jesus turn five loaves of bread and two fishes, two fish, into a meal large enough to feed 5,000 people. That's not nothing. Uh, they're no doubt feeling the pressure of being good at their new job. What is their new job? If you, for those of us in ministry, uh, they love Jesus, but sometimes he scares them. And here they are again in a major storm and they're trying to not be afraid. There's a loneliness to their new lives as they've left everything to follow Jesus. There's an anxiety in their lives because what does the future hold Uh, They're supposed to be ministry experts, but no doubt feel like total amateurs. They're supposed to be successful, but what is success when it comes to being and following Jesus? I just want you for a second to imagine the pressure that maybe they're carrying and feeling. Maybe you can relate. Uh, It's the speech. It's it's American Ferrar, America Ferrar speech in Barbie, where I think she nails some of this, mainly for for women. But you know what? I felt very seen as a man in that movie. 
But here's what she said. If you saw the new Barbie movie, she says this. It's literally impossible to be a woman. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the dang time. You have to be a career woman. We can, well, you know what? That's fine. You're supposed to be, uh, you're supposed to love being a mother. Well, yep. You have to be a career woman, but always be looking out for other people. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. And nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. Let's close in prayer. But the disciples are carrying some version of that. And that's why I love verse 48. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. We're hearkening back to Exodus 2, where when God is looking at his people in slavery in Egypt, he says, it says, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. You've heard me say this before if you've been around Aria for a second. On my birthday, I do two episodes for whoever will join me every year. In the last three or four years, I do the best episode of TV of all time, The Suitcase for Mad Men. It's just no notes. It's just perfect. Then the other one that is also no notes and perfect is the BoJack Horseman, the funeral episode, the funeral monologue. Um, the whole idea of it, it literally is just one long monologue, him at his mother's funeral, or spoiler, what he thinks is his mother's funeral, which is part of the bit. And there's a, what always moves me is the whole thing, as he gets to it toward the end, is a riff on being seen. And here's what he says, talking about his mother, Bojack says, I was in the hospital with her those last moments. And they were truly horrifying, full of nonsensical screams and cries, but there was this moment... This one instant of strange calm where she looked in my direction and said, I see you. That's the last thing she said to me. I see you. Not a statement of judgment or disappointment. His mom is pretty hard on him. But just acceptance and the simple recognition of another person in a room. Hello there. You are a person. And I see you. Let me tell you, it's a weird thing to feel at 54 years old that for the first time in your life, your mother sees you. It's an odd realization that that's the thing you've been missing. The only thing you wanted all along to be seen. And then the dark comedy of the episode is he realizes she's not saying, I see you, but she's saying, I see you at the hospital. <laughs> it's a dark comedy. <clears throat> it's incredible. Uh, go, go into the darkness with me. The point being, this is the longing of our hearts. And this is where we do, whether you know it or not, this is what you're asking of the Lord. Do you see me? This is what you're asking, whether you know it or not, of one another. Do you see me? 
Do you see me? Maybe you feel lonelier than you ever have. The Lord sees you. Maybe you feel more depressed than you ever have. The Lord sees you. Maybe you are so scared of messing it all up. And the Lord sees you. Maybe you are so confused about what life is right now. And the Lord sees you. Maybe your anxiety has reached. You've unlocked new levels of it. (laughs) It's fun. And the Lord sees you. It's the verse. This is a little bit out of context, but not really because it's the heart of the Lord. It's 2 Chronicles 16, where it's said of the Lord, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The Lord sees you. The Lord saw his disciples struggling against that wind. And the second thing I want you to see is the Lord comes to you. The Lord came to them. This is where the story for my movie people gets, or TV people gets very David Lynch, Twin Peaks, because Jesus saw them and he comes to them and he's walking on the water. He's like, he's just, I can't demonstrate it. (laughs) We've never seen someone do it, but he's walking on the water, spooky, scary style for the Halloween people, because at first they think literally this is a ghost. The only thing that can walk on water is not a person. It's got to be a ghost and he's terrifying them. And this is what he's doing. He's coming to them in surprising ways. One of my favorite drive, this is an aside, one of my favorite drive-by truckers lyrics is, Jesus walked on water, where to get them shoes. That's just, I just wanted to work that in somewhere. But why does he walk on water? There are two things I want you to see. The first is, and this is kind of the main point. We don't have to ever think it. Jesus walks on water because it was the fastest way to get to them. He walks on the water to get to them as fast as he possibly can. Why? Because Jesus actually really cares about his friends. He cares about their fear. He cares about their pain. He cares about their confusion, and he's coming to comfort them. Maybe you can relate. Think about times in your life where someone has just shown up. Uh, I immediately, when I was thinking about this, thought of one of the hardest seasons of ministry. Uh, Caroline was here as well. We had a student named Nick who killed himself in 2018, uh, just over a year or five years ago. And I don't, that, so much of that time was a blur for lots of different reasons that you can imagine. I don't need to say more about what was so hard about that. But one of my most vivid memories is without me knowing my friends, uh, some of you know, Tim Udodge and J.R. Foster, as soon as they heard the news, got in the car and just rushed down to Columbia. And when I tell you, I felt seen and I felt loved. Because they came. Because they showed up. Really, to me, it's one of the more beautiful, painful, of course, but one of the more beautiful glimpses of what Jesus is like is when friends, loved ones, show up in that way. And this is part of what Jesus is doing. He's walking on the water to get to his friends. And then the second thing I want you to see, because there is a deeper level, is he's revealing something about himself. Uh, And again, we're back to Exodus. And just track with me for a second, because what God is doing is he's not parting the water. He's not parting the Red Sea, but he's walking on the water. 
and he gets in the boat. And what happens is interesting. Mark records that detail where he meant to pass by them, which if you know the book of Exodus, when Moses asked God if he, would, if he could see, just get a glimpse of his glory. Do you remember this story? God hides him in the rock and he passes by him, but he only sees the backside of God's glory. And as the Lord passes by, it says this, the, he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And so Jesus in the same way shows up and he says, take heart, do not fear. Literally, it says, I'm not a huge literal Greek guy, but this is important. He literally says, I am no fear. I am. I am the great I am who controls and created the winds and the water. And because I am with you and for you, no fear. This is what Jesus is saying. He's actually showing them. Sometimes we sing it in our UF. He's showing them the comforting truth of Isaiah 43 where it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you for I am the Lord, your God. For I am the Lord, your God. He's saying, I am the great I am who created and controls the waters and the storms. And I am with you. Do not be afraid. It reminds me of Narnia, uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. It's the, the, the scene between Aslan and, and Lucy, where Lucy says, oh, Aslan, Will you tell us how to get into your country from our world? I shall be telling you all the time, said Aslan. But I will not tell you how long or short the way will be, only that it lies across a river. But do not fear. I am the great bridge builder. I want you to think for a second about how does the Lord show up? Sometimes the Lord shows up in a peace that surpasses all understanding. Sometimes he shows up in the small kindness and faithfulness of a friend. Sometimes he shows up in the gift of compassionate tears. Sometimes he shows up in the comfort of scripture. Sometimes he shows up through the unexpected gift of laughter with good friends. Sometimes he shows up in the perfect nap or meal or this one's near and dear to me. Just the freshly opened box of Cheez-Its. I've got that waiting for me at home tonight. Sometimes he shows up in a deeply spiritual way where you really do hear and connect with him through prayer and reading of his word and with in corporate worship. And sometimes he shows up in a deeply practical, physical, not overly spiritual way because he values both a lot. (laughs) We don't always understand his timing. Don't hear what I'm not saying. And we don't always understand his ways. But what we can stake our lives on is the fact that he will and does show up in beautiful and in powerful ways. And this is the last thing I want you to see. So he, he sees, he comes, and the last thing I want you to see is that the Lord is in the boat with you. Uh, the, he's in the boat. He gets into the boat with them. He doesn't shout instructions as he like jogs along <laughs> over the water alongside them. He doesn't have his own boat where he's like, I'm just going to be sailing along next to you guys. He gets into their boat. Think about that with me for a second. I think this is one of the most startling and comforting things about Christianity is that God became fully human and he took on flesh. And it really is the fulfillment, if you think about it, of Exodus. The God who parted the Red Sea, walked on water, 
and got into the boat with them. He heard our cries. He saw our pain. And he didn't just send another Moses. He came as the true and better Moses to be in the boat with us. This is better if you've seen those ads. This is better news. I get these ads. I don't mind them. The he gets us. They do their own thing. They're not unimportant. You've seen the he gets us ads that are all over the Super Bowl. And I can't watch a college football game without the he gets us ads. It's fine. It's great. But it's more than that. It's more than he gets us. He came to unite us to himself by faith. He came to be one with us. Uh, The theological idea of this is called union with Christ. That we belong to him and he belongs to us. Which means that we can say that what is his is now ours. And what is ours is now his. Track with me for a second. This is so true that when Jesus for the first time meets Saul becoming Paul, he says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it's a little confusing if you know the context because Saul has been persecuting Christians and Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? It's so much so that that Paul could later write in Philippians 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Here's what this means. This means that your suffering is the Lord's suffering. This means that your anxiety is his anxiety. This means that your depression is his depression. This means that your loneliness is his loneliness. That your friendlessness is his friendlessness. That your sin is his sin. That your shame is his shame. He doesn't just get you. He gets into the boat with you. And this also means that his righteousness is your righteousness. That his kindness is your kindness. That his mercy is your mercy. That his love is your love. That his life is your life. That his death is your death. That his resurrection is your resurrection. That his heaven is your heaven uh, my friend Jason Harris, he did RUF at Northwestern for a long time and then now planted it, or is at a church in New York. He says it like this in a little article called Justifying Our Existence. Send your hand out. He says, when we lay hold of Christ, faith unites us so profoundly to him that everything that is true of him becomes true of us. Luther used the metaphor of marriage to illustrate how this works. He writes that when a bride and groom are married, everything they have, the good as well as the bad, they hold in common. In the analogy Luther colorfully describes as an unfaithful bride and Jesus is our groom. But when faith comes between us, everything that is ours becomes Christ's and everything that is Christ's becomes ours. Jesus therefore takes our sin and guilt and gives us his righteousness and innocence. And this is where we get to the sad part of our passage. It's the end. Verse 52. (laughs) And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves. They're still stuck on what Jesus did there in feeding the 5,000, and their hearts were hardened. That's you and me. 
How many times have you heard, the Lord really loves you? And you're like, does he? It's the lie of the serpent, right? We could go further than Exodus. We could talk about Exodus and the way the people of Israel hardened their hearts, all that. But it goes back to Genesis. And it goes back to the first lie of the serpent. Did God really say? We could go further. Does he really love you? Will he really show up? Does he really see you? Can you really trust him? And yet here's Jesus. He saw them. He walked, if not ran on the water, to get to them. And he's in the boat with them. And it's still true. The Lord sees you. The Lord comes to you. The Lord is in the boat with you. Uh, I'll close with this. So so last two weekends ago, I had the privilege of um, doing the NDREF's fall conference. And it was, it was fine. (laughs) You all know me well enough. Some of you, yeah, it was good. The highlight for me was uh, there was a student who belongs to the special needs program at Vandy. His name is Big Mike. And Chase, the campus minister, kind of giving me a heads up, like, hey, sometimes in a large group, he just says stuff, like, just be ready for some interaction. I was like, that's totally fine, totally cool. The first night, he ended up just sort of uh, laying on his stomach throughout the whole large group. It was fine. Uh, the second night, we had to come back to camp because he was pretending to have a seizure because he loves for his doctors, uh, his, for his friends to play doctor with him. We had to just make sure he was okay. But when I tell you there was a Q&A um, Sunday morning and uh, to hear his question was the highlight of the weekend. He's a junior. He feels so loved and at home in RUF. And he said, um, very honestly, he said, RUF is like my family and I love my family and I love how loved I feel in this place and I am so scared to leave it. And the beauty was for me, he was naming something that was not unique to him, right? He was naming something that we all have felt when we feel and we're in this place and season where we feel loved and what's going to happen when it's over. And I, and I, all I had, this was question and answer, which is the worst because like, I don't have all the answers, but the only thing I had for for Big Mike is the only thing I have for myself and for you is that if you do find yourself in that place where you are just feeling so scared, can I invite you to look at the points in your life where the Lord has seen you and where the Lord has shown up in small or big ways for you and where the Lord without a shadow of doubt is reminding you, I'm in this boat too. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, I thank you that that's true. I thank you for that good news. I pray, Lord, that you uh, would remind us if this is something that we do believe, but help our unbelief. Lord, I pray that you would invite us as we, if we're in a place where we're not sure of what to do with you yet, would you invite us?
Would you show us your heart of grace toward us? But Lord, I pray that you would meet us in the ways that you know that we need to be met. And Lord, we ask and pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, I think, our doxology. And then, do we need instructions for the fear? Do them after the doxology.